Hello and welcome back to the Overcome Yourself podcast. As you know, this is Nicole and today I'm super excited to be here with Dr. Liz. And Dr. Liz helps, um, she is in conflict resolution, right? Um, Is what you were telling me. So I do not want to massacre (laughs) your bio. So please, Dr. Liz, take it away and tell us all about what you do. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, So I'm Dr. Liz Dubois. I um, am a conflict resolution practitioner. As Nicole said, that is my professional background. Uh, So what I do with that is that I work with people on professional development and personal development, especially overcoming different aspects of trauma that are tripping them up on their way to creating what they want in their life. So I work with a number of entrepreneurs, uh, authors, lawyers, and um, pushing people in a way that gives them the opportunity to overcome bullshit as opposed to just sit in this cycle of, I'm going to do a lot more and hope that it ends up where I want to be. So I help people do less and make more money and have more fun and build better relationships and have better sex and move to places they want to move and just in general fucking thrive at what they're doing. Love it. I love it. I love it. And then that just goes so perfectly with, uh, with my book and the name of this podcast, right? Overcome yourself. Um, that's, that's like my whole thing because that's what I did. <laughs> I had to learn how to do. And so I'm so excited to have you here and we can talk about like, the science behind my observations, I guess, right? <laughs> um, so tell me about a little bit about you and like how your business started and um, and like how you ended up in conflict resolution and, and doing this. Yeah, sure. So I'm going to give the, the briefest explanation of the true and deep story. Um, I was sexually assaulted when I was 15 and that experience really influenced how I saw myself, how I saw the world, the way that I interacted with people. Um, when I later went on to grad school, I would explain it as it was as if I had my left arm cut off my emotional processing center, just really shut down. I got very numb, but of course this wasn't something that I was cognizant of in the moment. It was I just got really angry and I started binge eating and I gained about 60 pounds in a very short period of time. I went from a size 12 to a size 18 um, and then on to a size 20 um, and was very angry all the time. Just walked around with a huge chip on my shoulder and didn't have great boundaries with people, especially with boys I was dating. I'm bisexual. I had that part of myself shut down by a very, um, just like oppressive Christian conservative movement that was rampant in the 1990s and the early 2000s and where I grew up in, in the Midwest. And there were all of these different aspects of myself that just got squashed. And when I was 22, uh, a coworker came up to me and casually said, you know, I lost 80 pounds a couple of years ago. And she just kind of like gently threw it out there. And at that point I was about hundred pounds overweight. And I was just like, tell me more girlfriend. Like what, what's up with that? And she said, well, I'm in this 12 step program and, um, and kind of left it at that. She just said, I'll pick you up on Saturday and I'll take you to a meeting. And so when I was 22, I I went to my first 12 step meeting 
and was very quickly introduced to a way of living that changed how I saw myself and gave me a toolkit to start to have a relationship with a higher power, have a relationship with the divine and start to see myself as someone that was capable of doing anything and someone that was capable of having a life that was really great as opposed to being a victim of my own bullshit and the things that had happened. And when I lost 104 pounds in that adventure and the weekend that I hit that like size four, I'd gone from size 20 to a size four in about 18 months. Um, so a mentor hit on me, um, and you know, a trusted colleague that was older than me by about 30 years, uh, hit on me and I just fell apart. I was like, oh my gosh, this is what the weight gain was about. It was about putting pounds on my body so that men wouldn't approach me. Um, and it was really your job, job. (laughs) you know, it was, it was really this, this pivotal moment. It was super bowl weekend, 2008. Like, I, I don't know that I'll ever forget it. Um, and it just changed everything because I started to integrate the parts of myself that had been shut down. Um, and that, and that I had shut down out of safety and self-preservation. Um, and so from there, I just really started a journey of what am I going to do with this? I had a, a, a wonderful boss at the time and I'd gone into work after that Super Bowl weekend. And he took one look at me and he's like, I don't know what's up with you, but go home. <laughs> and I took two weeks off and just did a shit ton of therapy. And I, I lived in Washington, DC at the time. I um, put in earbuds and listened to Here Comes the Sun by George Harrison and just went to a bunch of art museums and like looked at art and cried. And I felt like the part of me, you know, there's a line in that song that says, you know, little darling, I feel the ice is slowly melting. And I just felt the ice around my heart slowly melting. And, um, you know, I just, I just began a journey back to myself and, um, I started doing consulting for women's nonprofits. I I went back to that job. I had an advertising job. I had a fancy office on K street, which is where all the lobbyists are and stuff, big fancy place in DC. And, um, I sat in front of my fancy MacBook computer, looking at a fancy ad spread. And I just was (laughs) like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, like, I was like, I'm amazing at sales, not to brag, but you know, to brag. And uh, I was like, if I can get major companies to buy into the idea that buying advertising will give them a boost. I can get, I can get people on board. I can buy, I can sell people on the idea of donating to women's causes. And so I started consulting for women's nonprofits. And, um, and from there, my partner at the time, who's, who's now my ex-husband continues to be a great guy. uh, He sat me down and he said, you know, you have the capacity to be the president, but no one's going to take you seriously with just an undergrad. So pick a law school or a PhD, like pick one. And he was in law school. So I figured we had that covered. <laughs> and uh, so I, so I applied to grad programs and um, started grad school at George Mason university, got a master's in sociology, very quickly was accepted into the PhD program at wow. the Carter school for peace building at George Mason. And, uh, was given a, a full ride and a stipend to go quote unquote, do something about gender. So I started a research center with two colleagues. I started the Center for Gender and Conflict at George Mason University. 
and, uh, you know, became an international research center. I've gotten to study sexual and domestic violence in Russia, Cambodia, Indonesia, the U.S. And um, from there, went into nonprofit management. I had started this research center and got recruited then to run an organization in Baltimore. And I burned out of the nonprofit sector mm-hmm. after, after a while because I just, who I had to be in order to raise money and to carry forward issues that weren't necessarily things that I believed wholeheartedly in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, overcoming sexual assault had given me my authentic self back. And so to go and parse up that self in order to be someone that ran bigger organizations, just, it, it wasn't sustainable. Um, so from there, I, I took some time off. I kind of figured out who I wanted to be when I grew up. And I wasn't getting any traction with jobs. And I had this night in November, 2019. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. November, 2019, 18. Yeah. Something like that. 2018, (laughs) I think where I just kind of like shook my hand at God. And I was like, you know what? Fuck you very much. Like, I still don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And if you could tell me, that'd be great. I will go be a waitress. Just like (laughs) tell me what I'm supposed to do. And I went to bed that night and I don't remember what the dream was, but I woke up knowing that I was supposed to be coaching. Um, And I had kind of an existential crisis around that. I'm like, it's an unregulated industry and I have an actual legitimate PhD. Like, fuck you. I don't want to do it. So it took me a little while to get on board with what I was being asked to do. But, um, you know, from the time that I started working with actual clients, there's never been a question in my mind that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Um, and so it, I've just let it evolve from there. I got a certification in divorce coaching, started working with women going through domestic violence cases um, and had one, then two, then three women who were like, I need to come up with a way to make income and I wow. can't get a traditional job because I have kids at home and I'm going through this divorce. And I was like, well, hell, I know how to start businesses. I started a consulting <laughs> firm. I started organizations. And uh, so I, out of necessity, started business coaching people. And from there, I was like, oh, damn, I'm great at this. Wow, 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 wow. So, so that's kind of where I've gotten where I am today. I, I don't consider myself a business coach. I consider myself a professional development coach. I help high performers identify where they are making themselves small. And we catapult out of that we overcome whatever the bullshit is and we go it's so powerful it's it's so and and the reason that you were like oh your jaw's dropping is your your story is it mirrors mine so closely like so many of the things that you went through um that I'm like oh my god that happened to me oh something like that happened to me oh oh my god that happened to me too um I remember sitting in a major cruise line (laughs) and I was like okay so let me get this straight I'm driving an hour I come and I sit in this place around people that I'm pretty sure they don't like me (laughs) and I don't know if I like them and and then I just open like these six programs on my computer and then I sell these things and can't I just can't I just open some programs from my computer at home and sell things <laughs> like yeah. why do I have to add all these extra things um and that's one of the that's one of the ways that I made the jump you know so you mentioned you had kind of like an epiphany like that if I can do that 
here, why can't I just do that for myself? Um, that's so powerful, you know, when you realize that you can do it. Um, so what tip do you have for, you know, what's, when you're working with your client, what's like the one of the most important tips um, that you think you can share? Something actionable, something. Yeah. Uh, oh, I love your nails, by the way. Um, you know, something that maybe we can walk away with today and we can do something that just something small, but that makes a big difference. You know, like those tiny, yeah, I call yeah, them yeah. success habits, like something that you do that's so small, but then the it compounds into something fantastic. <laughs> cool. Okay. So the fundamental conflict that my clients are struggling with is <laughs> a belief that their self-worth is dependent on one, achieving something amazing and okay. two, keeping other people happy. And they're, of those. Yeah. 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 And, and <laughs> I would go so far as to like tweak that second one a bit and say, keep gaining other people's approval. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause it's less about, I'm going to keep my boss happy and more about, I am going to strain and struggle and burn the candle at all ends to gain their approval or to maintain their approval. I am going to not date this person that I actually really want to date because they used to have a drug problem. And even though they're in recovery, my parents will think that that's bad, right? Or whatever it is, this curtailing of one's desires and needs in order to continue to have the favor of someone that they respect or fear, right? So with that, boundaries are the answer, right? This is like, you're never going to move to a place where magically you have like met everyone's needs, right? It's just not going to happen, but you know, feel free to have a nervous breakdown trying like can, you know, and, and I do work with a number of clients who have had, you know, I need to step aside and take time and go to the hospital for a week, a month, a couple of months, because I just can't do this anymore. Right. And these are not people that are severely mentally ill, right? Which isn't to say that people with severe mental illnesses can't achieve amazing things. It's to say the conflict here is an inability to lay down boundaries and stick to them. And that inability lies not in some sort of fundamental flaw in their makeup. It lies in a belief that their self-worth and their safety, especially their safety, is tied up in somebody else giving them a green light to do what they think is right for them, right? So the solution here, uh, like I said, is boundaries, but you know, that's a pretty broad concept, right? Mm -hmm. So this is where I want you to start, people of the world listening to this. I want you to look at the places in your life where you are saying the words have to, right? I have Mm -hmm. to do this. I have to do this. I have to do that. I can't, I have to do this. I can't do that. I have to do this, right? If you are looking at, if you are using the words have to, you are making yourself a victim. Period, end of discussion. There is literally nothing on this planet that you have to do. You can stop eating and drinking water. You're going to die. There's going to be consequences to it, right? But you don't have to. You don't have to feed and, you know, shelter your children, child protective services is going to take them away, but you don't have to, right? Like these, I'm giving some extreme examples to be a little, you know, tongue in cheek here, but to say there's so many places where we make ourselves victims, right? And this is not me trying to gaslight you and say, 
you know, there's not realities of, of your inner abusive relationship and whatnot but like i i have coached people who are in profoundly dangerous abusive relationships you know protective orders that are getting disregarded and tromped all over and you know guns and faces and being pinned by cars and all that sort of stuff and these people are still coaching you know like taking coaching and moving themselves out of these situations right like there is never a moment where you are without options, um, you know, save perhaps like, God forbid you're caught in like an active shooter situation. And even then, right. Like the options might be horrible, but when we put ourselves in these positions and we say, I have to do this, I have to do that. I'm not allowed to do this. I have to do that instead. What you're doing is you're saying, I am taking away my own power. I am diminishing my capacity to think creatively about my options. And I am choosing to believe that the things that I'm experiencing are absolutely my only choices. And all of those things are just stories. None of those things are reality. It might be uncomfortable to tell yourself the true story of, I always have options, even if they're bad, but you don't have to do shit. I love that. And I think... Um, that mirrors a little bit what I talk about in my book. Um, one of the first things that I learned with shifting my mindset was learning to practice gratitude. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. Yeah. Or how can I be grateful for this? Because there was things that happened to me, like when I lost my baby, that it's, mm. you know, that's really hard. And that's not something that you can really... <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you're not happy. But in that moment, I had a choice. I could either just wither away or I had to find something to grab on to be grateful for. Yeah. And, you know, even if that was like my perspective, because, you know, have getting pregnant and then losing that, like the, the things you think about are different. You think about the world differently. And so I had at least a moment to be grateful for that. So things like that. And so not being a victim, you know, cause I, I could have just stopped eating and stopped drinking and stopped sleeping and, <laughs> you know, just laid down and died because that's how I felt. I felt really deep down inside, but I made a choice. Like you said, there's always some kind of choice, even if it sucks, because I'm not telling you that it didn't suck, that, <laughs> that shit sucks, but step-by-step, step, you know, we, um, we overcome like, like we come back to. Um, so that is awesome. Um, so Dr. Liz, um, is there anything else, any other tips that you want to uh, leave us with today? This has been absolutely amazing. Like you are just a wealth of knowledge. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, I, I, anything else I want to underline something that you just said, you know, step-by-step step, we overcome, um, most high performers, right. Which is my clientele have this erroneous belief that incremental progress doesn't count because it's not this big, huge thing, right? Like <laughs> I, I have to, you know, I have to have earned my law degree already. And it's not enough that I just got an A on, you know, my crim law test, right? Like I, if I'm an author, right? It's not enough that I hit the 40th spot on the Amazon top 10, on the Amazon oh, list. I need the to dreaded, the dreaded shoulds. So, you know, what I want to just 
leave people with is like the, the beauty of incremental progress, right? So in the moments where you're like, well, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. Right. Inch by inch, life's a cinch yard by yard. Life is hard. Um, and then the other metaphor, well, the metaphor, I like that phrase a lot, but the other me- a metaphor that like is, is just the Grand Canyon, right? It was formed over millions and millions of years with little incremental movements of water, right? And there's nothing, I want to amend that even further. I was going to say there's nothing wrong with incremental progress, but there's nothing valuable that doesn't come from incremental progress, right? Like even massive, huge things like, you know, landing on the moon and whatnot, like those were the culmination of millions of little decisions, not one, one giant leap, right? Not to use So I I think for those of you that are listening and you're like, well, you know, I started writing book, but it's not done yet. Right. I've been writing this for five years, or I started my college degree and I'm not done yet. And I am doing my sixth year or my kids are still dealing with food texture aversion and, you know, I'm, I'm not getting it right or whatever, just giving yourself permission to kind of relax and say, listen, this is a work in progress. I'm, there's nowhere to get right. I hear, you know, I'm just not there yet. Like fuck there yet. Like, like you're just working towards the thing that you want. And you'll be amazed if you can relax into the space of I'm allowed to take my time and I am detaching myself, my sense of self-worth from the belief that I have to quote unquote, get there. Right. Like once I have this hundred pound weight loss, I'll be there. And then I can be proud of myself. Once I get married, then I'll feel like a grown up, and then I can feel proud of myself, you know, whatever, like let the only thing that's trapping you is the story you're telling yourself, not the reality of it. Yes. And I love that. Um, one of my favorite books, my brother actually recommended atomic habits and it's all about that. It is the, the compound interest. All you've got to just be 1% better just that one tiny percent. Um, oh my God, we could talk all day, Dr. Liz. <laughs> this has been wonderful. Um, so last thing, tell us how we can get in touch with you. We were talking about your Facebook group. Um, so is that is that the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, you can hop in my Facebook group. I do a fair amount of lives in there. Um, I'm an EFT practitioner, which is emotional freedom technique, tapping for those of you that aren't super familiar with the lingo, that's totally fucking fine. Um, so I do a fair amount of videos that actually give you some tools to move things forward when you're feeling stuck. Um, so you can find me on Facebook, you can find me on LinkedIn and you can find me on Instagram. My website is just soul.drliz.com. So S O U L D R L I Z.com. And my Facebook, you can find me as Elizabeth and then my middle name, D-E-G-I, and my last name, Dubois, D-U-B-O-I-S. Awesome. And all of that is going to be in the show notes. Um, so make sure that the links are going to be down there. So make sure to check it out. Um, so you can stay in touch with Dr. Liz. I know I'm going to be hanging out in her group. So you guys should definitely join us in there as well. So, um, all right. And I guess that's it, Dr. Liz. Like I said, thank you so much for being here. This has been absolutely amazing. And I'm excited. Um, I'm excited that we are in each other's circles now. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> so oh thanks so God. much. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye.